So I want to actually write an ad that stops the wrong people from clicking on my ad. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. everybody we're back with another edition of the podcast i'm david allen from makewordspay.com your host and we got a very interesting guest uh, today on the show because i think he's gonna be a real help at least i'm hoping he will be for all the people out there all our freelance copywriters and other freelancers who may listen to the show who have trouble finding clients and really have trouble justifying and finding ways to charge higher prices. Uh, Joe Kasherba, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Now, you are a entrepreneur and a web designer, yes? Yes. Okay, uh, maybe take us back because we're gonna get to some of that, uh, you know, charging higher prices and charging what you're worth and uh, charging for value and stuff like that later on in the show. But let's go back, let's start with your superhero origin story. Uh, where did you come from, Joe, and how did you get here? Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, my entrepreneurial career started in high school, okay. and what happened was I had a group of friends that had a band, and I filmed them um, playing at this restaurant, and I sold videotapes of them playing to their parents. <laughs> That's so, great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I even made t-shirts where I ironed on their, their band logo that I'd made and I sold that, those t-shirts to their parents and, uh, and that kind of thing. <laughs> that's, a very, uh, that's a very interesting way to kick off your entrepreneurial career. Yeah, I had a pretty good, uh, good target market. I had their parents that were uh, pretty much forced to buy. <laughs> so, but anyway, I started with that. And, and from that, having done the filming for that, I had this idea to do a video production business. Hmm. And in order to do that business, I learned HTML so that I could build a website. Okay. But what happened was nobody ended up ever hiring me for video production services. But people had seen that I built the website for that business and started asking me about websites. Oh, very good. Very and good. so that, that's how I ended up uh, doing the website sort of by accident. And then, and then it became something that I – building websites became something I did on the side all through high school and in college. And then at the end of college, I was involved in a startup company that uh, sort of fell apart at the end of – you know, with, during finals and graduation and everything. And so I, while all my friends were graduating and getting jobs at Amazon and Oracle and places like that, my startup company had failed. And so I graduated with, with nothing lined up and mm-hmm. sort of moved back in with my parents and had to make the, you know, had to make this web design business work at that point. Okay. So at that point, did you have you had a few clients that you'd uh, serviced over the years kind of thing? Yeah, I had clients and, you know, I was getting clients periodically from from a referral or somebody that my parents would know or, you know, just sort of <laughs> randomly. But it was just me and I wasn't charging nearly what I should be. And so I had to go to work figuring out how I, you know, how to actually make real money, you know, because, <laughs> you know, in, in college, it was like, you know, I was cool in college. I had this side business and I was making what seemed like a lot of money for college, but now I'm in the real world and, uh, 
I mean, I'm not that much in the real world. I'm still moved in with my parents. I have a makeshift sort of office in my mom's basement. But, you know, I, I just had to figure out how to make, make real, real world money instead of just some money on the side. So what sort of steps did you start, uh, you know, taking towards that end? Well, the first realization that I had, which sounds obvious, um, but uh, isn't, is, wasn't and isn't to a lot of business owners, is that if I wanted to get clients consistently, I actually had to do marketing consistently. Right. You know, I, I, so many business owners, and, and, and I did this for years, just sort of have this, this sort of idea that they'll magically get clients, or maybe this year they'll get some, some, their business will grow, and they're sort of just hoping for something to happen. And so I finally had that realization, and I started going to work, learning about marketing, and learning about copywriting, and learning about um, that kind of thing, and, and trying all kinds of different things to figure out how we could actually get clients on a consistent basis. And what, uh, did you reach out to people locally, or how did you start, what was your first sort of forays into trying to find a consistent uh, client flow? The very, very first thing that, that really worked was actually uh, posting for jobs on um, it was Elance at the time mm -hmm. and taking that from being just sort of randomly going on there every once in a while to, I had a habit of every single morning I would wake up and I would spend an hour posting, you know, responding to jobs on there. And I had a whole methodology and I kept track of who I was reaching out to and everything. Okay. Um, so you kept, you like kept all sort of, uh, everything you had done, you were, you were tracking. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, figuring out what, what method worked and um, almost, almost split testing different uh, strategies for applying to jobs and things. Awesome. Um, and then from there, it sort of morphed into other, other unpaid marketing strategies, reaching out to, to local businesses via either direct email or actual direct physical mail. Okay. Um, and then eventually from there, it then morphed into paid advertising and the, the big thing that really took things to the next level was uh, Google AdWords. Hmm. So when you were reaching out to people through uh, direct mail, was this, was this stuff that you were reading about? You know, how did you find out about that kind of stuff? Yeah, a lot of it was reading. Um, you know, I have so many of Dan Kennedy's books, right. um, you know, and it was, it was trying different, uh, different strategies from his books and then from other, other courses I'd taken or things I'd listened to and that kind of thing. So you eventually got into Google AdWords. And how long ago was this now? Um, I guess maybe three or four years, I think, that that first, that, that first took off. Right. And it was the kind of thing where I got that going. It worked right. And I think I ran it for maybe four months and generated so many clients and so much business that I had to stop and didn't do any marketing for an entire year because I was building <laughs> the team. Solid, yeah, yeah. It was it was just in, it was insanity. So what what, what do you think uh, was it about Google AdWords that was so worked so well for you your business in particular? I think the the one of the big sort of tactical things I realized or a couple of them was I. I, I you know, in most marketing situations, the goal is to get is to get people's attention and to get them to click on things or to take action. And I realized that with Google AdWords, it's actually a little bit different because you're charged when somebody clicks on your ad. So I want to actually write an ad that stops the wrong people from clicking on my ad. So one of the one of the the key things that I did was I actually put my starting price for websites right in the ad so that I wasn't getting all those clicks from people that wanted to do it themselves with a website builder or wanted a really cheap website or something like that. So you're, you're uh, profiling people and, and trying to keep out the tire kickers and freebie seekers. 
Yeah, exactly. And once I, once I did that and did some other things, it just became the kind of thing where I could see how, what the return on investment was. And then I just kept spending more and more and generating that return on investment. Awesome. So at this point you said you're like sort of flooded with uh, clients. So did you have to build like a team? Did you have a team at this point when you're starting to build a team or how did that work? I guess at that point, hmm, I'm trying to think, I think at that point I had, a, I was working with, with some contractors occasionally, um, but, but really hadn't, um, but was still doing, I was doing the vast majority of things myself and, and hadn't really formulated it into a team. And that's where I had to stop and figure out, you know, I, I had more than I could handle and realized I had to spend some time building that team. Um, eventually worked on getting project managers in that could manage projects and graphic designers and, and other people like that. And so it was, it was sort of that phase of marketing for a while and then switching to building the business and building the infrastructure and then coming back to marketing about a year later. So when you turned off the, uh, the, the spigot, the faucet, if you will, you know, and built this team, how did you go about, because I know a lot of business owners, a lot of free, freelancers out here, they probably want to build a, an agency of their own or at least expand to have uh, multiple people, multiple collaborators, multiple team members. How did you go about finding some of those people? Well, so I, you know, I've built the business entirely virtually. Right. Um, you know, I, there, was a, there was a moment in time where I realized I couldn't do it all myself and I had to make a decision whether I wanted to get an office and start getting, you know, people in person or what I wanted to do. And I had, I knew some people who had web design agencies and digital agencies with, with real offices and everything. And there was almost this sort of elephant in the room kind of thing when I'd be talking to them where it, it sounded like their businesses were making all this money and all this revenue, but they would tell me how they were struggling to make payroll and how they never made more money as a business owner than they did as a freelancer. So despite the fact that their revenue had grown massively. And so I, I realized that wasn't direction, the, the direction I wanted to go. And so I, I went to work building the virtual team. And so my strategy with the virtual team has always been everybody always initially starts with a, with a small project or a few hour task or something to see how they perform. And then, it, you know, they're given more projects or more, more hours or that kind of thing if, if things work out well. So it's very much a sort of a trial and error. And for, for lack of a better word, it's a fail fast hiring strategy. In, in startups, you know, in, in the startup culture, the idea is you want to start, you know, launch your product and fail fast if it's not going to work. I want to get a, a, a team member in, you know, see how they perform on a real task, you know, and, and, and go from there. And that's, and, and I, Overall, you know, I just kept learning more and more that um, it's it's hard to tell from a resume, resume, from an interview, from that kind of thing, really how well somebody's going to perform. So I'm going to get them in, do a task, and see how it goes. Right. And do you have any ways of like, uh, <clears throat> are you finding these people like on some of these online job sites or what places you're going to find these kind of people? Yeah, almost almost everybody that, that we've ever worked with has been either from Elance, well, it was Elance in the mm -hmm. past, and now it's Upwork. Right. And do you have, uh, like, I know we had a guy, uh, Rohan Kali on a show uh, a while ago, and he talked about how he had some uh, sort of funny ways of filtering the initial, you know, when he put up an ad looking for people, you know, he would sneak something in the bottom of it so that, it, you know, he could tell who read to the end of the ad and so forth. So he would filter like, and he said it really would filter like 70 or 80% of the people off right, right off the top just from that uh, because they hadn't even read the whole ad. So he would just cut those people right away and then uh, do what you're doing with regards to the failing fast 
you know, give them a little task for the rest of the people to see who emerged. Were you doing stuff like that as well? Yeah, that's, that's actually exactly what we do. Uh, the, uh, all the, the postings always end with the question, what's your favorite restaurant and why? <laughs> nice. And, nice. And, and, and most people, yeah, a vast majority don't respond or, you know, don't answer that question. Or the other thing that you see is that, um, you know, you see how they respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people play along and they give a nice answer that's, you know, they actually, uh, you know, I love this restaurant because X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And they actually give an answer to it. Mm-hmm. And then some people, you know, sort of give some sort of lame answer like, you know, I don't really like restaurants or so, you know, like you can right. tell that they're not playing along with it. <coughs> right. They don't have the right attitude. Yeah. I guess this is kind of like a, no, I've heard this now from many people who, uh, built up teams and I guess it's like a classic version of sort of the brown M&M uh, you know we want you know, I think it was Van Halen who wanted all the brown M&Ms removed from the from the bowls in their in their dressing room or something and they said that uh, that was part of their rider and they said that if they went in there and they found that the brown M&Ms were actually had had been removed had been hand-picked out I guess uh, they knew that all the other more important stuff had been taken care of oh that's such a cool story yeah. you know so yeah they, so they knew the rigging and the lighting and the sound and the, everything else was because uh, that that's what that's why it was there <laughs> so if they paid that close attention to detail then they knew you know these people were uh it's gonna be a good show so yeah that's, that's pretty cool that's a pretty uh pretty excellent and i've done the same thing uh with my online dating profile too actually <laughs> 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 for people out there you can do the same stuff like that and get to, and cut your time spent doing stuff like that uh, down significantly. So, so now you, you're starting to build a team. You, you've turned on the uh, faucet from AdWords. You're getting a bunch of clients. And what sort of, what sort of things were like compared to today? What sort of things were you charging at the time looking back? You know, what, uh, where were you at? Yeah, I guess when, um, you know, when I was in college, I was, you know, was charging anywhere from maybe 500 to 1,000 at the most for a website. Okay. And um, actually had a funny incident where um, I was really too busy to take on this client. And so rather than saying no, I said, you know, how about $1,800 for this website? You know, more than double what I was charging. And they said yes. <laughs> and then I had to figure out how to get this website done with finals and everything like that. But that was a big moment where I realized I wasn't charging what I needed to be. And so then I was, from then on, I was at that sort of 1500 to 2000 range. Um, it was a steady increase from there. And then when, by the time we were actually doing the AdWords and everything, we were sort of um, at a starting price of around 5,000 as a starting price. And then, you know, we've done projects all the way up to, all the way up to 40, 40 plus thousand. Right. So some big money websites and what, you know, what, when people were, you know, I think we've all sort of encountered this with people who are, you know, you're trying to charge, you know, a certain price, you get pushback uh, from people. Let me talk about some of that stuff as you were raising your prices and some of the things you encountered, you know, uh, you know, uh, did you, you know, did you just find better people, uh, you know, people who were more serious? Like what are some of those phases you sort of went through? Yeah, I think, you know, a, a lot of times, a lot of times people want to know how do you, how do you overcome that, that price objection? Or when somebody says they want to, you know, they want to pay that much, how do you overcome that? And I think, I think really for the most part, it's getting in front of different people for different reasons. Right. And so a lot of it was all of my, my, my website, my marketing, everything for so long was all focused on, you know, affordable websites, getting the website affordably and all that stuff. And that generated people that were looking for affordable websites. Right. Right. And, 
and then as as I moved my my marketing messages to be more focused on you know the results that they were getting as a result of the website or the problems that I was solving, whether that be generating helping them generate more leads or helping them show up on Google or solving um, sort of software related problems with some of those higher end um, higher end custom custom sure. software sort of sites you know I ended up talking to people that wanted wanted those results or one of those problems um, solved more than they cared about the costs right so you just moved into like different echelon of clients basically yeah and I think and I you know I I talk to web designers and agency owners all the time that tell me you know they tell me things like people in my area don't pay a lot for websites or everything mm. we buddy that we talk to is cheap or I'm targeting this industry and those people don't pay a lot for websites and then I look at their website or I look at their marketing it's like call us if you want a super cheap website yeah <laughs> it's like a flea market or something you're, you're gonna get people who are not gonna want to pay a lot yeah exactly so you decided at some point and you, you, you figured this out you're like okay when you started probably putting that in your AdWords campaigns you know, where the starting prices were at, you started filtering these people for, because that's like a huge objection normally in any situation is the price uh, or can be. So you put this right in the ads and started filtering people. So now you're getting people above that level almost immediately. Yeah, exactly. So what, uh, so nowadays, going back to where you started the AdWords thing compared to where you're at now, what sort of jump have you made in regards to your prices so that you continue to go up uh continue to find better you know better and better people yeah it's actually kind of interesting what we ended up doing um over time we've become much more narrow in terms of industries and they're more um specific industries we market to we do a lot of industrial and manufacturing work um a lot of construction companies and contractors and people like that um but what we've actually done is we've we focused less and less on some of those really big projects and focused more on the sort of 5,000 to maybe 15,000 range. Okay. Um, and, and really focused on getting the process and the team and everything for those kind of websites really dialed in rather than some of those taking on some of those bigger projects because uh, you quickly get to that point where the, the marketing is not so much the, the difficulty as it is figuring out how you have the, can have the capacity for more in a, right. without things being crazy. So you basically just dialed into sort of like, a, I guess you'd call like a sweet spot almost where you, you sort of, you know, the range now that you, you can work in you sort of set up your team so that can bang out what's expected, I guess, or, or what, or what you offer for that range. And you've tailored everything to provide for just that range of the, uh, websites. Yeah, exactly. So that makes it very efficient, I guess, then. Yeah, and that's what, you know, I, I almost see, I see business as sort of this process of sort of going to these different levels where you keep getting leaner and meaner and more aerodynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, almost I have this, in some of my uh, webinars and stuff, I have this this example of like a, a broken down car that's sort of transforming you know, just like a transformer in the Transformers movie into this really sleek rocket ship. And over time, it's getting more sleek and more uh, aerodynamic and moving more more quickly. And that's sort of representative of, of over time, getting more dialed in and who you're working with and sort of cutting off the services that are less profitable or take 
time and get getting more and more and more narrow about who you're serving and what you're providing. So did you stumble on, uh, you know, doing the higher, I guess, higher end uh, websites for the industrial and the construction industry by accident? Or did you start targeting those people specifically because of something you sort of uh, figured out on your own? Or how did that work? Yeah, it started, it, it all started with just sort of having um, randomly gotten quite a few industrial and manufacturing clients. Hmm. And um, then looking at that and saying, wow, those are the, those are the clients that, you know, a lot of those clients were, were great, great to work with, great projects, really, they were really happy. And then sort of going more and more in that direction. Right. And what makes those people good clients? Like if you were to, you know, cause we have obviously a lot of freelance copywriters and maybe for people who aren't charging a lot, who are just sort of just starting or have been involved in a while and are just sort of scraping by, what do those good clients look like when you're working with them? Like what, what sort of interactions are you having and like how, you know, what's the process sort of look like? The thing that I really liked with, with a lot of those clients was just that they were sort of business own, sort of business owner minded people that realized that they weren't the expert at everything and they were sort of glad to trust an expert and also willing to pay to get the job done right by an expert, um, and so they weren't as micromanaging. They were they were just really tend to be really easy to work with. Right, and for your for you yourself personally, did you find you had to? sort of reshift your mindset when it comes to charging, you know, uh, you were charging $900 for websites and now you charge, you know, 10, 15,000. Did that require a, you know, a change in your own thinking? Oh yeah. It, 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 you know, I feel like business entrepreneurship is about half, it's probably at least half just mindset, right? Sort of mental blocks. Yeah. I had to, you know, one, I just had to have that, that realization that, that not everybody is so concerned about the cost. Right. You know, the, you know, when, when you're, when you're coming a business from a, you know, whether you're struggling financially or you never had lots of money or something like that, you, you forget that there's all these other people out there that are not concerned about the cost and they want something else. They want those results or problems, you know, solutions to problems or whatever. So I had to realize that and, and I just had to get comfortable with um, sort of the risk almost of, I'm going to try this higher price and see what happens. Right. You gotta be willing to sort of just do it and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you, were you accessing, uh, you know, uh, resources to help you make that shift or were you just sort of feeling your way, you know, through the dark tunnel kind of thing? I was always learning, reading books and books and courses and, you know, mastermind groups and things like that. One thing that really helped was, um, a book called psycho cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Sure. Um, sure. great book. Where, yeah, he talks. He basically talks about how you have everybody has an identity, um, and you you can't. It's very difficult to act in a way that's counter to your identity or counter the way you see yourself. Right. Um, and so I had to I had to take proactive steps, like actually creating affirmations about um, the fact that I was worth those higher prices, that I was great at marketing, that I was great at sales, and that it's good to be. You know, it's good to be good at marketing and sales because you're actually helping people. And so I, I've always, for, for a very long time, had affirmations that I'm doing every morning, always trying to reshape that identity and reshape the way I see myself to to the next level and to the way it needs to be to achieve the whatever it is I'm trying to achieve. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, Joe, how do people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Yeah, so on the on the web design side, that 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 agency, it's kasherbawebdesign.com. Okay. And 
for on the other side where I'm working with, with web designers and agency owners, uh, that's under joekasherpa.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think you've given a, a heck of a lot of value here today. You've uh, interesting to hear your journey. I, I, I commiserate a lot with you in certain aspects of what you've gone through. And I'm sure some of the people out there that will be listening to this will feel the same. And maybe it'll spur them into some some daily action like we're talking about. Because that's really the whole point of listening to a podcast, of course, is actually taking some action. So uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I'm so glad you decided to uh, come on the show. I'm so glad I saw your Facebook ads to, to invite you on the show. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. And for everybody else listening, of course, we'll be back with another exciting guest again next week. And hopefully they'll have as much value to deliver as Joe Kasherba. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.